Yes, it is. And welcome back. Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. Totally your hour. The Hallmans will join us in the next hour. Call in on anything that's of interest or curiosity. You will happily discuss it. Uh, Chris Llewellyn is our producer pro tem today. Bill will be back tomorrow. It's nice to have Chris with us. I'll just say it as an item of news. And then uh, happy, uh, if you want, to discuss it. I don't have much to say about it, and that is to say that um, wall-to-wall coverage for the last several hours, everywhere um, that Tiger Woods had a car accident this morning, uh, he is evidently in surgery in Southern California, leg injuries, um, multiple leg injuries, but was um, was uh, conscious and speaking and expected to survive single single car accident. I'm always interested in uh, what this culture finds so dominatingly interesting. As I said, I kind of find it tedious. There's not much more to say. There's not much more to report. It's certainly not, as everyone is saying every other minute, breaking news. Um, And obviously to take nothing away from the great talent and inspiration and achievements uh, and respect people have for Tiger Woods or that he has given to his profession which we do honor and wish him all the best. I just it's just odd to me that um this isn't uh this isn't Kobe Bryant, it's not Michael Jackson, it's not John Kennedy Jr., it's not um it's not uh it's not anything more than 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 serious league injuries and and we wish of course him as I say the best. I just I just find tedious the ongoing efforts to dissect every little moment. The one thing I would say that I think is important to reiterate is the car accident took place about 7 a.m on a slightly, if not totally unfamiliar road in Southern California uh, that he was alone in his car driving and didn't hit another car. But it does, uh, the reports are that the car was going, his car was going uh, was speeding. And I've talked a little bit about this from time to time, and I I suppose it can't be said enough that um, all of us would do better to treat Yellow lights is red, not green. Everyone would do a little better to slow down, you know. Um, It's pretty good advice. Slow down, you move too fast. We all move a little too fast. And, you know, you see one terrible accident. If you ever witnessed one, I've I've unfortunately borne witness to a few. Um, Speed was the reason. Speed was the reason. Uh, One near this office where I saw life disappear in front of me based on speed. And uh, one uh, in high school where I saw several young lives taken from me, from us, from this world, based on going too fast. But in all things, just move a little slower and uh, treat all yellow lights as yellow lights pointing red, because that is the direction they're pointing. Yellow lights don't go to green. They don't mean speed up. It's the most valuable lesson. I guess the two most valuable lessons I learned in driver's ed. Yellow lights go to red, slow down. And the other thing is, whatever you touch with that vehicle, you could knock down and kill. So we could all afford to maybe take that measure a little bit more seriously in our day-to-day lives. And unfortunate that it takes a major incident or an eyewitness incident for many of us to be reminded of it. But I'll remind us all that we could afford to slow down a bit. That actually translates into other areas of our lives, too, into our politics, doesn't it? The speed with which this country engages in certain policies, 
spendings, actions, edicts, we could all afford to slow down just a little bit. Not everything is a crisis, and we're not all heart surgeons or brain surgeons. So I'm glad. I'm glad there is a debate over spending $1.9 trillion on something that is very little related to COVID, but is being used by COVID to engage in spending. You know, the idea that uh, we bail out states that made bad decisions, fast and bad decisions, with ID fixes, that is to say, immovable, de- uh, immovable, impermeable to debate, impervious to debate, consideration, thought, reflection. Um, we don't need to be spending $350 billion to states that stayed closed against all evidence. We don't need to be spending $27 billion on California alone. Why does South Dakota, which made wise decisions, prudent decisions, went with yellow lights rather than green, why does South Dakota have to bail out California? Um, We don't need to spend $35 billion to you in um, in this bill, $35 billion dollars. Uh, to deal with Obamacare subsidies. That's an entirely different debate that should have its own debate. And we should reflect on what the costs of Obamacare are. We don't need to spend $86 billion in this bill on union pensions. We should have a debate about union pensions. It's not this bill. It shouldn't be this bill. $1.5 million for a Schumer pet project, transportation project, in New York, $50 million for climate justice. I guess climate justice is a little bit like, um, climate justice is a little bit like something I spoke about in my monologue. There's a cookbook, a cookbook that is going through all its recipes because of, um, because of its offense to food. Offense to food. I'm not kidding. That's exactly what they are doing. The editors of this cookbook say the way we described this recipe was insensitive towards Jewish food traditions. Jewish food now has traditions that evidently have sensitivity, just as I guess the climate can feel whether it's being given justice or not. $1.5 billion for Amtrak. We, sent, we tend to do this, to, it seems to me, every single year. If it can't pay for itself, I don't know why South Dakotans who don't use it or Arizonans who don't use it have to pay for it. $4 billion for farmers from minority communities. Now, why? Why are, why are farmers in minority communities that may be hurting more deserving of $4 billion from farmers who may be hurting who don't constitute a minority community. Why are we playing race games with farmers? I have no idea why we're putting billions of dollars into foreign aid into this piece of legislation. That should be its own debate as well. I'm not against foreign aid. I just think it should be its own debate. $30 billion into public transit, $4.5 billion of which is for New York City alone. It's a scandal. It's a scandal, and we're moving way too fast on it. So I am glad. I am glad we are taking time on it, or at least trying to take time on it. 
and trying to slow it down. I wish we took more time on and thought on some of the other mitigation efforts that seem to have been burned into amber that are now costing society so much. Mitt, Ro <clears throat> Mitt Romney, I don't often have good things to say about him, but he does have a good op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today, and it's worth reading. Uh, has to do with the stimulus. Biden's stimulus bill is a $1.9 trillion clunker. Um, yeah, the bill is filled with bad policies and sloppy math. It calls for $350 billion for states and localities. If you live in New York, you might think that sounds about right because the pandemic severely exacerbated your state's existing financial woes. But New York is the exception. Florida hasn't even had to dip into its rainy day fund. California has a multi-billion dollar surplus, we've been told again and again. Why are we bailing out California with $25 billion? 21 states had revenue increases last year. Other states drew on their rainy day funds, which is what they are there for. Anyway, this is how we're starting with the Biden administration. $1.9 trillion. It's a bad idea. It's a really bad idea, and I'm glad we're going to debate it a little bit, or I hope to at least slow it down. Over at the uh, Committee um, to Unleash Prosperity, they give us some interesting information on the public schools in America right now. Do you know this? 42% of public schools tr uh, have in-person learning right now, traditional public schools, only 42%. Only 42%. Why? Why? Cases are plunging nationally by more than 70%. I have no idea why the CDC is still irrationally keeping the schools closed. And by the way, not just the learning, but the social life and the athletics and the sports and activities and after-school activities... Boy, the harm we are able to do to ourselves is immeasurable. Immeasurable. To deal with a disease whose consequences are measurable. And the mitigation efforts just don't fit that measurement. They just don't. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. 602-508-0960 is the number. One more thing on COVID, if I can, from uh, Steve Moore. We almost fell out of our chair last week listening to an NPR report which for months had vilified Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for his refusal to lock down the state while lionizing California Governor Gavin Newsom for issuing stay-at-home orders. But Greg Allen, an NPR reporter in Miami, recently said this, quote, Florida has had fewer cases per capita than California. Florida ranks 28th nationally versus California, which is 34th. But Florida has a significantly older population. As for the Florida economy, unemployment's below the national average. Consumer spending, judged by sales tax collections, is back. Tourism is, of course, way down. But there are signs that that's being that that, that even that is ready to rebound. Close quote. When NPR then turned to reporter Eric Westervelt in the San Francisco Bay Area, we heard this report from the Mecca of progressivism. Quote, California went from being something of a national model to being something of a mess, close quote. He continued, quote, in late fall, we saw this horrible surge that grew even worse after Thanksgiving, the sustained horrible surge of infections, the worst in the nation for many weeks after the second lockdown was ordered. 
And the fact is, California's deaths per capita numbers officials have used throughout the pandemic pandemic to defend these tough restrictions. And in many cases, either the same or worse in many states that have been far less restrictive. Yep. Yep. If only they would have listened to us sooner. A lot of, a lot, well, not a lot. A few of us were saying it early on, and then there was a chorus of more and more. But no, the science versus science is, uh, is what dominated, and we were shut up. I, I remember when YouTube was banning anything that spoke of COVID that wasn't from a government source. So I did an experiment, and I just quoted government sources for a YouTube monologue, HHS sources, and because it countered the liberal narrative, they didn't air that either. Tech censorship is accelerating. Wall Street Journal is on to this, too. Now that voters have turned their authoritarian GOP out of the executive branch in Congress, Americans should expect the open exchange of ideas to flourish again, right? Remember we were told Donald Trump was engaging in a war on the media? Remember Democratic congressmen calling him a tyrant? Consider two events Monday. First, the conservative scholar Ryan Anderson announced that Amazon had purged his 2018 book when Harry became Sally from its web store. The book criticized recent progressive ideas about gender and especially the wisdom of sex change procedures in children. Is that something we can't debate? Amazon declined to comment on the reasons for the ban, but comment is hardly needed. The tech companies have grown increasingly open about their ideological censorship. Also on Monday, two congressional Democrats wrote a stern letter to CEO Jeff Bezos about Amazon's role in politics generally. If you took seriously the party's promise to defend democratic norms, though you might expect democratic politicians would express concern about the world's third largest company trying to suppress a book on a contested political issue. But the letter is a demand for more ideological censorship. These people who called Trump a tyrant and engaging in a war on the media are calling for more censorship of media. Books are media. Write two Democratic representatives, quote, Our country's public discourse is plagued by misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies. Right-wing media is much more susceptible, and they demanded to know why Amazon's Fire TV carries certain conservative television programs. The letter is also addressed to the CEOs of Apple and Google. It's part of a campaign to engineer a more pliant media through coercion of the corporations that distribute information. The point will be pressed tomorrow in a hearing at the House Energy and Commerce Committee. The House released a memorandum ahead of the hearing that gives orders to mainstream media news sources. Quote, despite criticism, many traditional media outlets continue to allow for the disinformation in an attempt to follow journalistic standards and present multiple viewpoints on a news story. Got that? Newspaper editors, adjust your coverage to the liking of congressional Democrats. You do know what this means, right? Corporate media censorship, such as Amazon's scrubbing of a heretical book, is accelerating, and government is right alongside pushing for censorship without increasing force. You know what this means, right? When we are told that we are, a, we are, we are being fed disinformation, 
when Democratic congressmen and women, looks like one man and one woman wrote this letter, saying our public discourse is plagued by misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy theories. You know what that means? It means anything we believe that counters anything they believe. To them, it is misinformation and disinformation to engage in a debate about whether children should make decisions about their gender, not even their sexual preference, their gender. To them, it is misinformation and disinformation for us to question some of the green energy policy solutions proffered by John Kerry and the new left in the Democratic Party. For them, it is to them it is misinformation and disinformation for us to question the wisdom of the lockdown theology of the day or the use of mandated masks or the mandating of mask use. To them, that is misinformation and disinformation. It really is a very scary thing to think about being labeled as being uh, as uh, for being labeled misinform- misor- misinformative and disinformative for simply having a contrary point of view. Think about the other areas this could spill into. Other areas it has spilled into on college campuses, debates over foreign policy, debates over the wisdom of funneling money and throwing money at regimes of terror, wisdom over whether we should continue to engage with regimes that engage today slave labor as we beat our breasts about having slavery in part of this country over 150 years ago. To raise these things to the Democrats is misinformation and disinformation. We used to call it political debate. We used to call it back and forth. We used to call it the combat of ideas. They don't want that. They simply want us shut up. Now that's the kind of music Chris Llewellyn really likes. Now we're into your era, aren't we, Chris? Belinda Carmile? Car- Carlisle? 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 Yeah. There's a great documentary on the Go-Go's, by the way. I don't remember if it's on HBO, Showtime, or Netflix, but it's really good. I'm, I'm telling you, you'll like it. It's like that song? No, it goes into this really interesting history of... Um, of, uh, of 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 punk and new age music and it's it's really it's it's fascinating. You should find what it is. That does sound interesting. Well, it's called the Go Go's. Oh no, uh, the documentary is. The yes. yes, gotcha. Yes, the do- <laughs> you should think I about making so that. Sounds like an interesting documentary. You should propose it to someone. <laughs> yes. Well, it's been done. I'm just recommending it. Gotcha. What was that movie you and I saw and we both agreed could not end fast enough that we just saw recently? It was so bad. You're oh, talking about it, it before HBO the show. It was HBO Max's new one with Jared Leto and Denzel Washington. Well, I, I'm talking about the real one. With what? Yeah, it was terrible. It, one of the worst movies I've seen in a long Ever. time. A complete waste of time. Waste of two hours. Five hours. It was long. It felt like five hours. It felt I like I was watching was Gandhi called, twice with nothing interesting about it. Uh, no, I mean Jared Leto was interesting, like his character, but it, there was no. You're interesting. Anything. Not going to make. I'm interesting. They're not going to make movies about us. It was so bad. It was so bad. I think they are so desperate in Hollywood because of what they have done to themselves with COVID and theaters that they'll just put out anything these days. 
take two good actors. They're great actors. Is anyone better than Denzel Washington? You didn't think he could make a bad movie. It was such a great cast. Up until this year, you would not say Denzel Washington has ever made a bad movie. I couldn't name you one. Uh, no, I couldn't either. There's very few actors you can say that about. Man on Fire is one of my favorites. Clint Eastwood has never made a bad movie. Bruce Willis has never made a bad movie. Bruce got into that kind of like rent to don't to DVD don't thing. get did, did, did. and Denzel Washington until this year never made a bad movie. Hudson Hawk was not a good movie. This was the worst. This was the worst. I love it when you do that. I love it when you do that. Bob is in surprise. Hello, Bob. Hey, Seth. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Can you name me another actor who has never made a bad movie? It's hard. Never made a bad movie. Well, you know, you were talking about Clint. Didn't he have one where something about a transgender or something like that? Uh, I don't know that one. You're not thinking yeah, about Million Dollar Baby, are you? Uh, I'm thinking maybe Tootsie or something like that. That was not Clint Eastwood. That was Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Got it. And it was a great movie. It was a great movie. There goes my not a big movie guy, I guess. All right, fine, <laughs> fine. So, Seth, I've talked to you before. You walked me off the cliff and many times. And I've walked so. off the cliff many times? Okay. You've walked me off the cliff. Oh, I brought you back. I think you mean to say I brought you back. Okay, yeah, I would hope. I don't think you'd be calling if I walked you off the cliff, Bob. I've brought you back from the cliff, okay? Brought me back. Yeah, let's make sure I'm not out there engaging in homicide with my listeners. The the nose was held. Okay, got it. So I have found myself recently scrubbing social media this, you know, I was a very ardent Trump supporter, and um, I've worked for the same company for many years. It's a publicly traded company, and to be honest with you, uh, I fear getting canceled. I, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't, um, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't doubt you, Bob. I think, I think, yeah. I think we should be afraid. I think we should be. I think private corporations are taking huge dives on this stuff. But anyway, I'm interrupting yeah. you. Go ahead. No, uh, so today I heard, uh, you know, on the uh, they appointed the 9-11 Insurrection Commission. Yeah, right. And it's going to be 7-4 yep. uh, Democrats. Yep. Uh, I asked a friend of mine today, I'm like, you know, why is our capital surrounded by National Guard people with fence? Why are you know, we having a bipartisan they, commission that isn't bipartisan? Right. What are they afraid Why 7-4? Why well, really, why 7-4? You can't find three more Republicans to sit on that committee? Of course you can. So the frustrating thing is that, and I've talked to you about this before, just like there's, we have no representatives. I don't think McCarthy's going to, you know, Kevin McCarthy's got to stand up for us. Uh, here in Arizona, our representation is, I mean, good Lord, if it wasn't for Andy Biggs, what representation would we have? Uh, uh, I take that back. I, Debbie left. Yeah, no, office. we've got a few that, that stand strong. i got to take a break. You want to hold and we'll... Sure. Don't walk off the cliff on hold, though. No. I'll, you got to give me a head. chance to walk you back, okay? <laughs> All right. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Or we'll... What did Franklin, Ben Franklin say? We have to hang together or we'll hang separately. 
I, I take it every single day. It's balance of nature, and it gives me 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. Think about how potent that is for your health, for your energy, and to boost your immunity. You can do little better than balance of nature every single day. Friends and family use it as well. If I'm traveling, it's the first thing I make sure I take with me. I don't want to go a day without it. All natural, vine-ripened fruits and veggies picked at their peak of ripeness, reduced into vegetarian capsules using Balance of Nature's, Balance of Nature's unique cold press process. It's a fabulous product. Apples, aloe vera, cherry, papaya, spinach, celery, kale, carrots, potent, good, healthy stuff every day. And they have a great deal, free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Check them out at balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. That's balanceofnature.com. Discount code BALANCE. I haven't been sick in a year, over a year, and I attribute it to balance of nature. I'm trying to keep Bob from walking off a cliff here. And, uh, Bob, you were talking to me about a few different things, including this new commission, and it's going to be investigating the January 6th riot, and uh, we're talking about corporations, the military, you bet. Yep. Yeah, I mean, no, there's an ethic. Charles there is an Charles ethic. There is an ethic of socialism <laughs> that is stronger each day in the Democratic Party and in our elite institutions. And the problem we had, Bob. So let me here's here's my attempt to rescue from the the, the cliff's edge. Here it is. The problem you and I had during the election was trying to convince people of the theoretical problem of it. We now will have the benefit of them seeing it in actuality because they have a government that is going to deploy it, and people will not like it. We are poised. I believe we are poised to make a roaring comeback. I really do. I really do believe that. You look at what's going on at the border— you look at what the Biden administration is doing with spending and taxes. You look at what they're going to be doing with health and human services and the Department of Education and transgender issues and speech codes. Americans, I am convinced, still like their freedom. If they don't still cherish their freedom, if they don't still cherish it, then we have a bigger problem and we will have to look at some other things. But I believe they still do. Did you catch Naomi Wolf on Tucker Carlson last night? I most certainly did. I thought that was just... When you have liberals like that, okay, so a few liberals are beginning to raise their heads. I have long thought this, Bob. You know, I'm always fascinated by what makes a liberal into a conservative, what turns a liberal into a conservative. Irving Kristol used to say a a, a neoconservative is a liberal who was mugged by reality. I, I think two things are going to turn liberals into conservatives, or a lot more liberals into conservatives. I think it's the censorship issue. You take a look at the censorship issue, I think it's combined with the race issue. For example, take Smith College, one of the most elite colleges in the country, all-female college in western Massachusetts, one of the most elite places there is. Betty Friedan went there, that sort of thing. So they have a staffer who's a liberal Democrat, female liberal Democrat, who just won't put up with being judged by her race. And she is forced to resign. 
because she won't buy into this Nazi theology that race determines thinking that is so dominant in our college campuses and our culture. She'll become a conservative, Bob. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. I'll tell you what else is going to turn liberals into conservatives. The shutdowns, the COVID shutdowns. You look at these restaurateurs in, in California, particularly Southern California. I'm sure most of them are good liberals. I'm sure they are or thought they were. But like that one woman who made all the social media news and Instagram, she was interviewed by Dennis Prager. He said, I don't, you don't have to answer my political question, but you do understand this is done by the Democratic Party, don't you? And she said, I do. I'm sure she wasn't a, I'm sure she wasn't a Republican. I'm sure she'll become one or at least vote one. Good enough for me. They have gone so far, hey. Bob, that they're going to make converts for us. I'm pretty sure of it. I, Seth, I just, I hope you're right. I do I too, because yeah. I could be wrong. I could be just, wrong. It seems like yeah. it, it just seems like every day we're just the Supreme Court not hearing any any of the election cases. Not a one. Don't even want to hear it. Well, they're hearing Those one next hear. week with Mark Burnovich. I was talking to him a little earlier. That sounds and looks very promising, which is going to keep Arizona's elections safe going forward, you, and it's going uh, to be the end of ballot I harvesting. I haven't heard the latest on the Senate, uh, Maricopa County. Can you just, and I'll let you go. I don't know it. I don't know the issue, that. Bob. I don't know it. I'm the wrong guy to call on it. I just don't know it. Okay. I just, I, I just don't know where it stands. I know they were at a standstill. I, I, I just don't know that issue. I apologize. I'm going to send you to no, your that's okay. search but, engine hey, for uh, that. Last thing, yeah. Charles Bronson, yeah. Samuel Jackson. Those two are Actors, I can't think of a bad movie that they made. Charles Bronson, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> Who was Charles Bronson married to? Is he married to s- s- someone interesting? He was married oh, to man, someone. Man, I can't remember. But Who man, was he married to? He... Someone that you wouldn't have thought. Who was Charles Bronson's wife? Red-haired actress, I want to say. Am I wrong? Jill Ireland, maybe? I think he was married to Jill Ireland. Could be, yeah, could be, yeah. but uh, great actor, man. Yeah, he really I is mean, a great actor. Worth. Great actor. I can't think of a bad one. <laughs> no, I can't either. Good for you, Bob. Good for you. Thank you, sir. All right, God Appreciate bless you. It. Stay, 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 stay on this earth with me, okay? Michael's in Sedona. Hi, Michael. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Very good. Hey, thanks for that last little bit of encouragement. I believe they're going to shoot themselves. The I do, place. too. I mean, you can only take this country so far left. That Bill Clinton tried yep. it, and we got Newt Gingrich, you know? Jimmy Carter tried it, and we got Jimmy Carter. I just think you can only take this country so far left. I totally believe that. So the reason I'm calling is uh, a couple years ago I was reading this article written by this young uh, Puerto Rican woman, her family uh, had a couple restaurants. They came over from Puerto Rico, and she's going to college, and she's sitting in a coffee shop uh, writing this thesis on privileges and who's privileged and who's not. And she's looking around the coffee shop, and all these kids are driving little mini Coopers that they've all got their iPads and they've all got their iPhones, and these are the people that are complaining about privileges. Okay, so I thought this was a great article. I've got a very liberal sister who lives in Santa Cruz. A sister-in-law lives in Santa Cruz. So I sent this article to her. She quickly sent back to me, don't send me any of your your trumped-up stuff. Right. Michael, I've always loved you. I've known you for 40 years, but you're you're a privileged white man. Seth, it broke my heart. Is she white? Is she white? She is. 
All right, hold the line. i got to take a break. Can we talk about this on the other side real quick? Absolutely. Okay, hang with me, or we'll all hang separately. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. We're talking to Michael in Sedona. His sister-in-law told him not to send her any more articles um, because it comes from a place of white privilege. She herself also, I guess, being white. Right, Michael? Right. Exactly. So how do we know actually how do we know her position how do we know her position isn't the effect and result of white privilege and that yours is? Well, because she subjects herself to uh teaching art to black prisoners up in the up in the prisons in in the uh, Well, that's good work, but area. it does uh, that's good work, it's but, great uh, work, but uh, that's right. good work, but uh, you know, I Mexico, the country of Mexico just to our south Last I looked, has something like 200,000 millionaires. Do you think that's because of their Mexican privilege? So what I tried to justify was, goodness gracious, you know, I started off as a line cook in New Jersey in 1963, and I had to work for my position. Of course you, you did. Know, and, New Jer- and back there, you've got somebody waiting out the back door yep. for, for your job. Of course. So then I went, into, I went to Vietnam. Served in Vietnam with multiracial people, got along, and we you had to earn your position. You, bet. you had to earn it. You bet. Uh, did that, um, made some wonderful friends, lifelong friends, and uh, then uh, back to the back to cooking again. Yep. Yep. Multiracial, you have yep. to earn your position. Here yep. in Arizona now, forty five for forty five years, yep. I've been in Arizona, and you had to earn your position. You've got young men coming in from the Mexican border. You have to work. It just broke my heart that she said that. I I know. I know. God, I I saw an associate pastor friend of mine who he's an associate pastor down there in Phoenix. And he told me that he's just getting ready to read uh, George Washington Carver's book. Oh, okay. Up from slavery. Okay. So I said, that's a great book. I read that when I was in the Navy. I read that right after I read uh, Man's Search for Meaning. There you go. There you go. Both great books. Yeah. You, you're going to love it. I don't so, think Frankel had did, much privilege, by the way, do you? I don't think so no, at all. But look what no, he, yeah, look, what he went what through. He, Anyone who went through back. Auschwitz, you bet. You bet. Absolutely. So anyway. I, no, you know, I'm with you, Michael. I, you know, there's this, I, that, you and I have the same. I mean, my grandfather moved here with nothing. Nothing. I mean, nothing. More poor than most poor in America. Fought in World War One, got involved in the junk business. My dad grew up in the Depression with next to nothing. Worked hard and made a life for his family. It's there was no privilege there. There was there was bigotry, but there was no privilege. I I, I have no patience for this stuff. Your color doesn't determine a damned thing about you. Not a damned thing. I suppose it's just probably not worth trying to talk to her right now. Nothing short of a metaphysical two-by-four across her frontal lobe will move her out of this position. But time might. Time might. The Hallmans will take your calls, too. If you're on hold and want to talk politics with the Hallmans, they're the best. We'll be right back.